If the saying is true that life is the sum of the decisions you make, then what happens when a major life change occurs that wasn't your choice? Hi, and welcome to Think Well, Think Better. I'm your host, Tom Latona. I'm an artist, a writer, and a storyteller. And in April 2020, amid the global COVID pandemic, I was unexpectedly diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. The timing of these two major life events have helped to reshift my thinking and reshape my mindset as I move forward into a confusing world on the outside while managing an unpredictable autoimmune disease on the inside. Think Well, Think Better is a podcast aimed to raise awareness for those in the MS community and to serve as a source of support and inspiration, not just for those whose lives are impacted by this confusing and devastating illness, but for anyone who could benefit from making personal improvements in their lives. Think Well, Think Better is a story of overcoming obstacles and of reinvention, told through the unique lens of my life, and I share it with the hopes that it might help others along their journey. So join me as we discuss a wide range of topics aimed at personal self-development and share strategies to help face life's challenges with a more informed and improved way of thinking. Change starts in the mind, and if one wishes to think well, then let's start thinking better. All right, there's a lot to discuss. Let's get to work. Perhaps you were alive in the late 1980s, early 1990s, and you might remember a televised PSA. Let me set the stage for you, because this is fantastic. This is probably the most magnificent piece of television history I've ever witnessed in my life. Picture this. It's a teenager's bedroom. Messy bed, posters on the wall, clothes everywhere. You get the idea. Teenager in question is laying on his bed with giant headphones over his ears, just jamming out to music, really just into it, right? And this is, I don't know, man, this is maybe the middle of the 80s, so there's like an 87% chance he's listening to Van Halen, you know? Like, every teenager listened to Van Halen in the 80s, it was probably Eruption. Anyways, he's jamming out, he's he's air guitaring, he's air drumming, he's a one-man show. And all of a sudden, his bedroom door swings wide open, an old man dad walks in. You know, he's got his tie on, his jacket, straight from the office, you know. like And, and maybe the most underrated part of this whole thing was his mustache. He just had a real soup strainer. Just a magnificent upper lip specimen. Just wham! I mean, it was, it was like a Brillo pad burrito stretched across his face. Epic stash, brah. Epic. Anyways, the dad's holding this cigar box, which, from my take, looks like a lot of uh, illegal and illicit drugs in it, although they don't get into a lot of context. Anyways, the dad's dad's miffed, and he says, son, turn that rock and roll music off, and he shoves the box in the kid's face, and he's like, your mother found this when she was cleaning her room, which doesn't make sense because his room was a mess, so she's either a shitty cleaner or she was just being really nosy. Either way, respect your kid's privacy. But she finds this box under his bed, this little cigar box full of drugs, we think. And the dad, the dad wants answers. 
immediately. He said, where did you learn how to do this? And the kid looks scared for a moment. And he looks his dad square in the eyes and says, I learned it from watching you, dad. From you. I don't know how that didn't win a million awards. It was just epic storytelling in the sense that it tells absolutely no story whatsoever. A, the mom is a shitty cleaner. Um, B, the kid was just trying to get high and listen to some Van Halen, you know, some real dirt rock. The dad is a hypocrite because clearly he's the guy who has drugs in the house and he's trying to pawn it off on this little kid. It's a shit show of a PSA. And what did we learn from it? Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Similarly, in the 1936 cult classic Reefer Madness, if you ever get the chance to check out that little bit of uh, amazement, I would because it. Uh, if you believe it, you would be inclined to think that one toke off of a marijuana cigarette will have you on a road to uh, just crime and sexual deviance. It's a gateway drug. You'll be shooting heroin in a filthy alley within the week. Where did this all come from? Where was this fear of certain drugs? Well, I started to explore this a little bit. And what I've decided to do is I'm going to parlay that for a future episode where I could dig a little bit deeper into the Toward and a little bit strange history of marijuana in the United States and the socio and economic fallout from certain legislations that have been passed uh, throughout our history uh, regarding that drug. That's for another episode. What I want to talk about today is that very same drug that was in the shoebox that the dad was so miffed that the kid had, sidebar. He probably, the kid probably had better weed than his dad. I think that was the problem. Um, That same drug, marijuana, that was found in the cigar box, the same drug that in Reefer Madness made you think that you're just going to be a chronic masturbator if you took one hit, that same drug that we were so afraid of for so many years is now being prescribed by doctors to alleviate many things, including pain management and chronic illnesses. The same drug. The same exact thing. Seemingly overnight became medicine when once it was the, you know, bane of society. So that's in the next, uh, in a future episode. I want to dig into deep into that. But today I want to talk about medical marijuana because it's kind of important. Could be for you. It is for me. And maybe if we just learn a little bit more about it, we could change our perspective on what medical marijuana is or what marijuana is and how we could actually use it to create a better life for us if you're managing a chronic illness. Sound good? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. So medical marijuana for the treatment of MS symptoms such as chronic pain, is an effective tool. Now, this does not mean that this treats MS directly. It is obviously not a cure for MS. There is no cure. But what we're doing is using it and utilizing it as a tool to help us treat and manage the symptoms, 
that accompany multiple sclerosis. So in this episode, we're going to break down what is cannabis, how can it be used to help manage MS symptoms and to create a better quality of life, and what are some of the methods and ways we can take it safely so that we can improve the quality of our life. That's what today's episode is all about. So you are probably, in some capacity, familiar with marijuana. Now the name... The word itself, I should say, marijuana, is not the scientific name. The scientific name for the plant is cannabis. Uh, It's most common, very commonly known as marijuana. And there's sort of a sordid history with that as well. Um, Just to glaze over it really quick, but we'll save it for the other episode. Um, When the United States government decided they did not want a very legal growing plant to become a thing that people consumed... Um, they gave it a name, marijuana, which very much sounds ethnic and foreign and dangerous, right? Because maybe a bunch of brown people have it. Uh, That would be terrible, right? So it's kind of a derogatory word used for something that we wanted to put a negative connotation to, which is another way to say it's a real shithole thing to do. But here we are with marijuana. But it goes by other names, too. There's a ton of names. Uh, I, I obviously am not going to just tell you all the names because some of them are, I've never used them, and it's just a nickname or a local uh, sort of way of, what am I trying to say? It's a nickname. I don't know them all. There's a lot. But some of the more common ones, they go by weed, pot, dope, Mary Jane, bud, dank, herb, grass. If you're super old, you say grass. Uh, ganja, Kush, Reefer, Swag, Chiba, Sticky Icky, and probably my ultimate favorite, the Devil's Lettuce. <laughs> the Devil's Lettuce. <laughs> oh my god, it's so stupid. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> Devil's Lettuce. Or if you were fortunate enough to come to age, like I did, during the early and mid-90s, I was in high school, those are those formative years that if you're going to experiment with things, that's generally the time you start. It also coincided with what I believe is the golden age of hip-hop. So if you're familiar with that, those two things, you might also be familiar with marijuana being called chronic which you're probably thinking, wait a minute, the name of this episode is Chronic Pain Management. There's no way this guy's that clever. Did he put that together? I mean, I know he makes some banger episodes, but is it is it Chronic Pain Management or Chronic Pain Management? There's no way this guy is that sneaky. Well, you're right, I'm not. But it does work, and um, I did do it on purpose, so you're welcome. That's just, that's free. That's no charge for that. That's just an extra bonus I like to put in these shows. So, here we are talking about marijuana. But from this point forward, let's get a little serious. Um, The appropriate name to call it is cannabis. Uh, Because if we're going to talk about this as medical marijuana or medical cannabis, 
we're treating it like medicine. It is medicine in this case. And how we approach it should be treated with the same respect that we would treat any kind of prescribed medication from our healthcare professionals. So um, if I slip and call it marijuana, it's just because it's forced a habit, but I made a conscious effort to really try to change the vocabulary for this because a new approach to anything is going to require a new perspective on it. And sometimes you need a new vocabulary to support a new perspective. So you will hear me say things like cannabis instead of marijuana. Uh, I will also use terms like medicating as opposed to getting high, which I'm going to touch on in a minute. Um, And instead of using it like a drug, we're talking about dosing or dosages of this drug because, in fact, it's medication in the way that we're talking about it. So what is... Cannabis. Well, as I turn my page, cannabis is a plant, not a weed, Mm -hmm, even though it's called weed. It is a plant that originated somewhere in Central Asia about 6,000 years ago, give or take. And it's been used as an herbal remedy by many, many cultures for many, many, many generations. And it's been praised for its healing properties. So throughout time, Cultures and civilizations have relied on this particular plant to help with some medicinal remedies. Eventually, science caught up to it, and we, have, we know a little bit more about why it works and how it works. So the plant itself, not a weed, a plant will bud and flower. And if you were to take that flower, harvest it, dry it out, ground it up, and put in some sort of vessel, light it on fire, and inhale it as smoke, you would feel the effects of that herbal relief. Good. Good to know. Why does it work, though? Well, those plants have a chemical compound in a very oily, rich glands of the cannabis flower that are called cannabinoids. And those cannabinoids interact with the body's endo cannabinoid system, which is not one that you immediately think of when you think of the systems of the body, but hear me out. When they interact with that system, it can interact with other systems of your body, like your nervous system or the brain synapses or your digestive system. In other words, those chemical compounds can interact in a way that help improve your metabolism, inflammation, and or pain responses. Okay, just like medicine. Great, sounds good. Each of those cannabinoids produce what's known as THC and CBD. And for the focus of this particular episode, I'm just going to stay with those two. There are some other compounds that come from it. I don't need to get in the weeds with this, okay? I'm just... Forgive me if I'm a little blunt here, but I'm just trying to give you the straight dope. These things. I'm not even trying at this point. They just roll off my tongue, I swear. It's fine, though. You know what? We'll work at this together. We'll make it a real joint effort. I should have quit when I was ahead. Please don't unfriend me. I need you. Okay. THC and CBD. Let's break those down real quick. THC is uh, most commonly found uh, cannabinoid, cannabinoid, I'm sorry. Um, This is the one that has the psychoactive properties in it. They 
impact and interact with your CB1 receptors in your brain. That's a lot of science jargon. What does that mean? If you have any kind of inkling about what cannabis does, you might automatically think, well, it gets you high. Well, we're going to change some vocabulary around that, hopefully. But <clears throat> hear me out. You're not wrong. THC is what's responsible for that, quote, getting high feeling. That's where you're maybe a little spacey, a little dizzy, or you're just kind of not with it. You get it, getting high. That comes from THC. One of the other main cannabinoids is CBD. And you might be familiar with that now because you can actually find that on grocery store shelves uh, in gummy form and you could buy it over the counter. Um, CBD will not get you, quote, high. It has no psychoactive properties whatsoever. So you could take a great deal of it and drive a car and it would be no issue at all. CBD is not illegal, never was, but because it's part of the plant and they had yet to know how to separate those two compounds, the whole plant was, you know, no node. Um, but CBD is really important because it does help with anti uh, inflammation and, and pain. So to just take CBD, you would notice that over time, some of those aches and pains in your body might go away just, just from using that alone. Fortunately, you can combine the, combine the two, the THC and CBD, and take it in medicinally. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So before I get into the quality of life improvements, some of the uh, pros and cons of medicinal cannabis. I do think that it's important to just talk a little sciencey stuff here um, and talk about the strains, meaning the different types of cannabis that are available on the market, uh, what they are and how they react to you. So the big two, the main for the sake of this argument, because there's two sort of major ones, I'm going to talk about indica and sativa. Uh, but there's actually a third. Now that there is more regulation in the production of this cannabis, you can find a nice hybrid variety, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's a hybrid of the indica and sativa. Now, whenever you're dealing with altering the chemistry of one's brain, that is going to depend solely on what the cannabis is, what the strain is, these sort of characteristics that that strain traditionally has. And it's also going to depend on how much is taken and the actual person taking it, how it reacts to their brain chemistry. Like MS, this is not a one-size-fits-all uh, kind of thing. However, it's I feel it's important at least to at least give a, a, a very basic outline to this just from an understanding point of view um, so that you... If this is something you were interested in exploring, you have a little bit of vocabulary and a little bit of uh, what you're talking about when you actually do go talk to somebody about this, which would be a great time for me right now just to put uh, a disclaimer out. Once again, the purpose of this episode is just informational. Um, this should not be confused for actual medical advice, especially when you're talking about uh, bringing in a new medication into your wellness program, uh, I strongly encourage you to speak with your doctor and your healthcare providers before making any final decisions. Do not necessarily stake it on what I'm saying today. I am not a doctor. I am not a guy who knows everything about medical marijuana. 
I am just trying to give some information out there. So do not just listen to me. Also listen to your doctors, but more importantly, listen to yourself. You have the final say on anything. Okay, good. So we're back to the one size does not fit all. But what do these strains of cannabis do for us? Well, broad stroke, very general. This is not 100% true, but I'm just going to say for the sake of getting some information out. Indica, traditionally, is associated with more of a sedating type of strain. Meaning, let's say you were going to take some uh, around bedtime because you want to get better sleep. Uh, An indica might be your best course of option for that because it's sedating. But if you have a full day ahead of you and you need to be on the go a little bit, you might want to look into sativas, which are is more of an uplifting or it might give you a little bit of an energy boost in that regard. Does that mean it's exactly that, that you go up or down depending on those strains? No, absolutely not. It is a trial and error thing that you're going to have to figure out, but hopefully you have the support to help you figure that out. Now, the hybrid is, like I said, exactly what it sounds like. It's a little bit of both. Um, So, again, how much in each one? You're going to have to talk to your local um, dispensary and 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 figure out what products they carry and what their relationship is there. But those are three really great options to start with right there. And those should help you, at least as a gateway into this, increase the quality of your life and improve it drastically despite living with a chronic illness like multiple sclerosis. Um, Four main categories that I have found in my quality of life that have improved since uh, taking cannabis on a regular basis are these. Um, First one, and maybe most importantly to me, is pain management. Um, I live with a lot of... uh, like how How do you even describe it? Um, it, it's like neuro pain, you know, um, there's not one thing that hurts on my body. It's just my whole body hurts. That makes any sense. Um, and sometimes it's from spasticity as well. Tightness in my muscles and I can't move my legs very well. And I sit for long periods of time and and my legs kind of get tightened up. I feel it around my ankles, All, all of that. Um, has gotten better with regular use of cannabis. My sleep has improved. Um, A lot of times with MS, you'll find a common symptom is, uh, you know, insomnia. That can be rooted in many, many things, to be honest with you. Obviously, the anxiety and the unknown nature of this disease uh, literally keep you up at night. Um, Sometimes you're battling some symptoms or your your body's coming out of a state where it recently had a relapse, maybe you have to recover and you're sleeping a lot during the day. And then when it comes to regular nighttime, your routine's kind of thrown off, your Arcadian rhythms are, are haywire. That could lead to insomnia. This is something you should talk to your doctor about, of course. Um, but if just to set a good sleep hygiene schedule, you might want to look into sort of, quote, sedating yourself with some indica and helping you sleep the whole night through, not just falling asleep, but staying asleep. That has definitely helped me in my quality of life. Um, Appetite, nausea, this is, I put it on there because it doesn't, 
according to my notes, it's one of the things I, I want to talk about at some point, or I did want to talk about at some point. Now that I'm reading it out loud, I realize my appetite's always been the same. I don't have to deal with nausea too much. Um, but some medications do carry side effects of nausea. Uh, and it might be a disease-modifying therapy you're taking for MS, but it might be just another kind of medication for a completely different purpose, but you're also managing it with everything else. Appetite and nausea are known to sort of equalize with um, the the help of cannabis as well. And uh, the fourth one I have here is also really important to me is mood, overall mood and just sort of holistic view on life um, has improved with cannabis. Now, it also has improved because I sat down couple years ago and figured out, okay, this is my life. I charted it out and we've already talked about this in past episodes. Um, You know, I got myself on a little game plan for life. And when I'm working towards something, I'm generally feeling better about myself because I'm making progress. But yes, there's days, stretches of days at times with MS where I just feel kind of off, kind of not right. My mood's down, whatever the case might be. Uh, I have a toothache. That's going to put you in a bad mood, right? You know? Um, a steady dosaging of cannabis can help bring your mood up. It stabilizes your mood, uh, my mood at least, and puts me in just in a better headspace altogether. Um, so that to me are, is the important qualities of life departments that I, that I found help me. And if you also are a cannabis user and you find that there's other areas of your life you'd like to have sort of investigated and discussed, um, please feel free to reach out and contact me. I would love to hear about it. So let's talk about methods of consumption because there's a few ways you can actually ingest cannabis. Um, I have I have four here. Um, I think this pretty much encapsulates the totality of it. Uh, as I mentioned before, you can take the flower and harvest that off the plant and uh, dry it out and crunch it up and roll it into something, a blunt or a joint, or pack it into a bowl and rip some bongers. Um, But basically, at the end of the day, you're talking about the same thing. You're applying heat to it. Uh, I believe the sort of cooking point, if you will, is 400 degrees Fahrenheit, but it's between 200 and 400. Um... I might be wrong on that. It doesn't really matter. But what we're talking about is smoking it and or inhaling it. Uh, You breathe it in the smoke, you hold it for a little bit, you let go, and it's almost immediate. You feel the effects almost immediately. It goes right to your head. So that is probably the quickest application of cannabis or the quickest, uh, I guess, treatment time, if you will. It's almost immediate. Um, but it is a harsh, it's harsh on your, your, your throat and your lungs. And if you're not a smoker period, or you're unaccustomed to inhaling smoke, it could be, uh, uncomfortable. It could make you cough a lot. Uh, you get dry mouth, um, or cotton mouth. Uh, you know, it's not the easiest way uh, to ingest this is probably the most accessible, but it's not the easiest for some people. Uh, just below that, though, is vape, and that's become wildly popular in the past couple of years where, you know, people are always vaping, annoyingly. Um, they do make cannabis vapes, so they take the oil, and it's in a little cartridge, and you plug it into 
or screw it into most like kind of any battery thing. And when you inhale, it ignites it and it heats it and you're getting that. Now, the difference between the two uh, is the when the, how quickly it hits you is about the same. So you're getting that immediate, you know, relief from either smoking flour or smoking a vape. Uh, but flour has a tendency to smell. It smells when it's in its container. It smells while it's being rolled up. And it definitely smells when you're burning it. So um, if it's legal where you live, that's a non-issue. But if you're doing it in your car or you're around your neighbors and whatever reason you just don't want people to know you're doing it, they'll smell it. So if that's a concern, be aware of that. Vape, on the other hand, relatively is odorless and it dissipates much quicker into the atmosphere. So you can hit a vape indoors and um, I don't think anyone would be the wiser if they're outside of one foot of you. So take that into consideration. So just under that is tinctures, which are, you know, like old uh, apothecary little drippity drops. You know, they got the dropper in there. It's usually about a 10 or 15. Uh, what's the dosage there? Milliliter, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you've seen them, you know, it's little droppers. And you put it under your tongue, hold it there for a couple minutes, and then swallow the rest. You can wash it down with water. That has a slightly slower dissipation rate to it. And it could be anywhere from, say, 15 to 45 minutes before it fully kicks in. That's not bad. Um, if you know that you're going to take it for bedtime, uh, maybe an hour or a little under an hour before you know you're going to hit the head on the pillow, um, you can drop some tincture on your in your mouth, go about your nightly routine, do your meditation or your prayers or whatever it is, so you're settling yourself down. And then by the time you crawl into bed, it should be about kicking in and you'll start feeling the effects of it. Um, so if you time it out right, uh, it could be really helpful, especially for sleep things. But bear in mind, there is that sort of 15 to 45 minute-ish, different for everyone, uh, gap where it, before it kicks in. So just be mindful of that. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you're in severe pain and you need pain relief ASAP, you might want to reach for your vape. But if you're going through a normal day routine, you can get away with just using tincture. Again, this is the kind of thing where you're going to sort of trial and error, um, test some things out, see what works, what doesn't work. You'll figure it out. And then you have edibles. A lot of times they're just known as gummies. Um, they don't have to just be gummy. They could be cookies or brownies or candy bars or whatever the case might be. Um, any kind of food stuff, which is ironic because gummies are the last thing I would think of when I think about food, but here we are, gummies. Um, yeah, gummies are great. They do take a little bit more time to absorb into the bloodstream. Ergo, the effects will take a little bit longer to present. Uh, this could be just on a generalization here, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, maybe. Now, the risk with this is if you're unfamiliar with taking a gummy, you might eat a gummy and 10 minutes later say, I don't feel anything. And so you eat a second gummy. And then about an hour later, you're you know, laying on your kitchen floor, uh, you know, having a conversation with a spatula or something. 
Uh, it happens. It's actually really funny um, when it's somebody else, but not you. <laughs> but it is it is possible to sort of underestimate the time it takes to kick in, but also overestimate the strength of the gummy. So I think a fair, mm, just a fair warning is this. If you're unfamiliar and you're kind of new into using cannabis, it would be wise to maybe take that gummy, cut it in half, maybe quarters even, take it, wait 45 minutes to an hour. If it's still nothing happening there, take another half or another quarter uh, and work your way up into it. Um, but there are some really comical stories about people taking far too many gummies because they didn't feel it right away, but a couple hours later they are uh, total space cadets, you know. Um, whatever. It, it should be fun. Why not? But I also want to throw in this, because I don't know how widely available this is, but I live in New York State where it is uh, legal both medically and recreationally, and I've only bought in New York State. Um, they do have a spray. Uh, so I guess it's like a tincture, but it just comes in a, a nozzle-y thing that you can spray like banaca. I prefer that, to be honest with you. It's got a almost citrusy flavor to it, so it's not at all... Um, hard to have in your mouth and one spray I know equals X amount so I can figure that out it's somewhere between vaping and tincture it's just a little it comes on a little faster than tinctures do but obviously it's not an immediate thing so I would put that maybe in a, a 10 to 20 25 minute range uh, somewhere in there um, the other cool thing about the spray is I like to spritz it in my morning coffee and then as I go through the day, just sipping on my coffee, it's almost like I'm microdosing it. Um, you could do the same thing with tincture, but because it's sort of oily, it just sits and pools on top of the my coffee and almost looks like an oil spill and you can still taste it. And it's just not as pleasant to ingest it that way, tincture is. But the spray, because it has a sort of citrusy back taste to it, um, is just delectable, I find. And you could just... Tss, tss, Spritz it in your mouth, spritz it in your coffee, microdose your way through uh, the day, and at no point do I ever feel out of control. I'm never kind of lost in my own head or anything. It's a nice, steady flow of both CBD and THC into my system, and it helps immensely in those areas that I previously discussed, specifically the pain. Um, so that's the important part there. Okay. Are there side effects? Well, yeah. Because there's side effects to everything. There's side effects to the living. Um, mostly you have to deal with annoying people. That's one of the worst side effects of living. But side effects of cannabis use. Mm, okay. So <laughs> in my to my knowledge, no one has ever overdosed on, on cannabis. Um <clears throat> I don't know if that's 100% true. I think it is. Um, but somebody's going to dig up some article from somewhere saying that someone died of pot once and you know, whatever. I don't care. Um, I don't think you can really OD on cannabis. At most, you're just going to get really drowsy and go to bed. Is it going to be the best night's sleep ever? Maybe, probably. You almost kind of pass out. Or you could have really wild dreams and not sleep really well. That's possible, too. But if the sort of worst case scenario is drowsiness and you're looking to improve your sleep hygiene and you're taking it to fall asleep and stay asleep, then it's not really a side effect. It's doing its job. Now, if that's what you're using it for and it works, it works. Cool. 
Um, if you're taking it and you're drowsy in the middle of the day and you already deal with fatigue as a symptom of MS, you might want to revisit that and sort of figure out what's what because you're kind of useless if you're super tired. If it's fatigue, that's one thing. But if you're kind of medicating yourself into an early coma every day, you might want to look at your dosage and what you're taking and how you're taking it and maybe make some revisions. Um, but that being said, you could be wide awake and using cannabis and you have basically what we call stoner brain. You know, it's similar to cog fog. At least for me it is. Um, but I also deal with cog fog as a symptom of MS. So I, I'm not always willing to pull the trigger on, I feel this way because of MS. Sometimes I go, oh, well, I may have, I may have just done one spray too many. And I just feel a little sluggish in the brain, you know, and what can you do? Just keep going, you know, push through. Um, but stoner brain is a real thing. And I've known people who just, in, when they were younger, smoked a, in a, an egregious amount of marijuana. And they just have that kind of stunted laugh, you know, that delayed, <laughs> you know, that laugh, bro. Bro, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's stoner brain. Um, you don't want stoner brain. Trust me, it's people don't like you. <sighs> and then the third, I have another side effects here, but I just I'm just gonna put it out there. Uh, the legality of this. Now, at the time of this recording, there is no federal uh, blanket. Legal, uh, legalization from a federal level is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Uh, in the United States, it does go state by state. So depending on what state you live in, it may or may not have legalization for medical use and or recreational use. I live in New York State. It has both. When I was diagnosed with MS three years ago, they basically just chucked a card at me and they were like, here you go, go get your medical dope. And I said, why? And they said, pain management. And I said, okay, whatever. Uh, so I walked into a dispensary in 2020. It was my birthday, actually. And um, yeah, it was the beginning of understanding this and, and using it. And, you know, to be perfectly frank with everyone, in the beginning, it was a little... Uh, no, not a little. It was a lot daunting because there was just this whole world and... I didn't understand any of it, uh, but they were great. They took the time to sit down with me. I told them why I was there. I told them I had MS. Um, the guy says he worked personally with a handful of people in pain management for chronic illnesses. In fact, his son has something, and he's convinced that the cannabis use has alleviated his symptoms, not only just his symptoms, but the actual disease itself. And I can't for the life of me remember what he said it was. Um I don't know. Wishful thinking? Who knows? I don't know. Um, but I'm not here to judge. But check your legality state by state. Um, because I heard this story as kind of a third person story, but you can possess marijuana or cannabis rather uh, in New York State. I could buy it here legally through the medical uh, card. Um, I could smoke if I wanted to in public right in front of a cop. They can't do anything. It's like smoking a cigarette. Um, I can have it anywhere in New York state, but if I were to cross a state line into a neighboring state and they did not have legalization in that state, 
I'm culpable for holding that product in that state. Yeah. So be very careful. Uh, understand state-by-state rules and where, where you can bring it, where you can't bring it. Um, just because it's New York State says I can have it doesn't mean I can have it in pick another state, you know. So just be aware of that and, and you know, we don't want anyone getting in trouble. We don't want anyone, you know, with undue legal and fees and whatever. Just be careful. Uh, but the only thing, too, is states that don't have legalization, uh, there's obviously people that are looking for some sort of relief in some capacity. Well, that creates a black market. Now, you can buy street drugs. I have in the past. You know, I was in college once. Um, and you were kind of stuck with what you got. You bought a bag off a guy. You didn't know what strain it was. You didn't know what you were getting into. You didn't know the strength of it. Mostly it was crap weed. But every once in a while you get the real, like, sticky stuff, the good stuff. Um, But now it's different. And, you know, I just want to take a moment. I'm going to dim the mood here. Um, But I'm never going to tell anyone to do or not do anything. I'm just going to really raise a caution flag here against buying drugs off the streets. Uh, there is a fentanyl pandemic going on in this country. And just recently, someone who I knew for many, many years, I found out um, was smoking weed uh, that someone had given him, and it was laced with fentanyl. And he overdosed and died. Um, It's a real problem. And... I believe it's good that it's legalized and regulated, but again, not every state and not at a federal level is it that way, which means there's going to be people who are going to be buying uh, street drugs. And you cannot detect fentanyl. You cannot tell if it's been mixed in with whatever you're ingesting. And there's some real, real consequences to that, unfortunately. So, Everyone, please just be very careful when, if you decide you want to see if cannabis is for you, please go talk to your doctor. Make sure you're squared away from a legal standpoint and you're not purchasing stuff from unknown sources when you're getting it. Um, but the the upside is with with the legalization, if, if you live in a state that does have it, it's very regulated and it's very controlled. So you know that every time you go in and you and I buy a spray, I'm getting the same thing each time. You know what I mean? It's not there's not a lot of variables. It's like almost recipes because they've been able to figure out how to break down the chemical compounds and and put them in these different delivery systems. That's above my pay grade. I just trust that it's there because I've never had an issue otherwise. Okay. So let's also talk about dosing real quick before we wrap this up. So in dosing, um, you'll get a lot of information from dispensary about this, and they'll actually be able to help you sort of dial in your dosaging and the strength of it. So you'll find a lot of ratios when you're looking at it, um, depending, regardless of if it's a gummy or a, a spray or a tincture, but you'll have things to say 1 to 1 or 20 to 1 or 1 to 15 and at first, it might sound confusing. Well, all that is is a THC to CBD ratio. So, for instance, a one to one is exactly that. It's just you know, one 
part THC for every part CBD. Uh, and that might be a, the place where you want to kind of start out at. You know, again, talk to your doctors, figure this out. But it, that's a nice balanced thing because it, there's research that indicates that CBD, although non-psychoactive, actually can decrease the psychoactivity of THC. So let's say you take something and it's got a lot of THC for you and you haven't quite built up to that level. You can take like a CBD gummy and it kind of tamps down what the THC is doing. Um, so there's wiggle room there and it's experimentation, um, but it's always best to sort of err on the side of too little than too much. You know what I mean? Especially if you're just starting out. Uh, but the one-to-one -one ratio is a great starting off place. When you kind of figure out where you need to be and what works best for you, you can get up to a 15-to-1 or a 20-to-1. Or if you have no interest at all in getting that sort of headiness about it and you want less THC and more CBD, you just flip that ratio and it would be a 1-to-20, for instance. That means you're only getting one unit of THC for every 20 of CBD. So you can drive a car, you could function in society, whatever the case might be, and you'll get the warm and fuzzies in your body, you'll feel very relaxed, very loose, uh, but your head will be sharp. You could, you could take a test if you wanted to, which is great because there's all these different delivery systems and all these different applications for it and these different strengths, and it's kind of like the new designer drug, right? Like you literally design it for what you need it to, and in most cases, it just takes you know a little trial and error. And once you lock into it, you are good to go. But the key is you have to, again, respect it and treat it like it is medication because it is. Um, so if you, <laughs> you know, the common thing is, hey, I want to sit down, veg out, watch a movie and kind of zone out. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, you, you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's yours. But is are you abusing it are you treating it like it's a street drug and you're just going to party with it or are you using it for pain management and you're you know when you're taking it how much you're taking and that makes sense to you I, you know it, it's up to you of course i can only present with the the cases for it uh but in my own life i've used it now for uh three years a little over three years it took some experimenting. Um, one valuable thing that I learned was that, especially with CBD, you kind of want a continuous steady stream of that in your system. So I started out just taking um, a lot of CBD and then slowly bringing THC in to the equation when I felt like I needed it. And if I didn't take THC for a day or two, I still felt good because I had CBD, you know, kind of running through my system. And over time and, you know, conditions shift and whatever the case might be, I found myself um, kind of uh, leveling out with THC and CBD and then kind of moving around. And I have different modulations of it for different times of the day and different needs that I have. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but... Suffice to say, three years ago, I was like, yeah, you know, I haven't smoked since college. I don't really have an interest in marijuana. And they said, hey, but what about cannabis? And I was like, oh, okay, it's been rebranded. Re it's no longer a, cigar, a cigar box thing, you know? Like, Reefer Madness told me I was going to be a chronic masturbator. No, I'm not. That's, I'm not a sexual deviant? How weird. Um <laughs> 
the point is, um, just like every medication, it's going to have its strengths and its weaknesses and its pros and its cons. Uh, but I believe if you treat it respectfully that way, um, it could be a valuable asset in your tool bag of managing the symptoms of a chronic illness, uh, which is, in my case, chronic pain. So I use chronic because that's the way it works, bub. So if anyone out there has any questions or would like to add anything, um, you could always reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to um, read and discuss with you. Uh, what I cover today is a very, very, very brief overview of these items. You could go real deep into the science behind it and the other modalities of taking it. I just didn't want to confuse the issue anymore, so I just thought I'd hit some bullet point things, and I, I think it's fairly accurate. Um, but if there's anything that I missed or if I misspoke on anything, please let me know because the last thing I want is misinformation coming out of my mouth. Um, but that's all to say is whatever you do and however you do it, do it responsibly, do it to your best of your ability. And just remember, it is the devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Think Well, Think Better. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are intended for informational entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for professional medical advice. I realize our time is our most valuable resource. So if you chose to spend yours with me today, thank you very much. And if you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released. If you found value in this podcast, why not share it and recommend it with a friend to help grow and support awareness for the MS community? As always, you can join the conversation on Instagram at thinkwellthinkbetter underscore podcast or email me at thinkwellthinkbetter at gmail.com. Love you all. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.